Happy National Pet Month, everyone. This is Ricardo, and here's what you'll be wagging your tail to in the Popping Collars feed for May 2022. The Popping Collars crew discuss our favorite filmed adaptations of popular books this month. Check out what movies we think are the pick of the litter. The PC Music Diary is back with a perfect song this month. I'll be talking about Main Street by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. The fur will be flying on an all-new Going On 30 when Greg and Betsy discuss Oliver Stone's conspiracy epic, JFK. On The Sacred Six, Dan Jocelyn Simatowski and Greg are back for another conversation about baseball and sacraments. Hear what these cool cats have to say about the scapegoating of Bill Buckner and our need for reconciliation. Finally, join Liz and me on the PC Book Club, where we recommend some new reads for you and your four-legged pal to curl up with. Thanks for listening to Popping Collars, the only podcast that keeps your and your pet's collars popped. to the sacred six sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode that's where this show steps in i'm your host greg knight with me is my special guest dan jocelyn simitowski dan thank you for coming back it is good to be here i'm not sure i should be pitching this deep into the game but here we are (laughs) this month oh man pitching pitching nowadays is 27 pitchers getting one out each that's uh that's pitching in the modern baseball game this month, we're chatting about the Sacrament of Reconciliation by going in the Wayback Machine to October 25th, 1986, when Bill Buckner saw a ball go through his legs, costing Boston Game 6 in the World Series. Before we get started, Dan, is this your personal worst baseball moment ever? Second worst. I think the worst is the Aaron Boone. I, I was way more invested by the time I was in my uh, mid-20s than as a seventh grader i was in seventh grade uh with with the buckner event but close boone was the tim wakefield knuckleball yeah tim wakefield doing what he was asked to do to bail out the team uh with jimmy williams making some questionable pitching decisions Mm. questionable pitching decisions is of course the backdrop for this buckner game with the manager joe mcnamara that is true can you explain to us how did we get to this point where boston is Close to clinching a World Series for the first time since 1918 yeah. against this uh, against this Mets team that's a little strange on paper. Yeah, by this time the Red Sox are in the World Series almost once every decade. They've been there in 48, 68, 76 with Carlton right. Fisk. Now here we are, yeah, or 75, and then um, here we are in 86. So those Red Sox have this habit now of flirting. With the World Series, of course, baseball is much smaller than there's just very short rounds of playoffs. So getting to the World Series um, is a shorter road to it. So uh, this has been a dominant team. Roger Clemens is in his second year, I believe. 
and he's just lights out. He had just pitched his 20 strikeout game early in the season. Uh, stalwarts like uh, uh, Jim Rice are still around. It's a really dynamic team. And of course, Bill Buckner, veteran player, trying to close things out here. Great career. player, uh, Bill Buckner. Borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah, absolutely. Who's uh, Had he had his back issues by this point? Or is he... Um, yeah. Or is that yet to come? Yeah, back issues. And here, really, really bad ankles. Um, yeah. This famous play, you basically see him kind of just mincing towards the ball. He's not stepping with confidence at all. He's a battered, battered player. Of course, in this era, lots of artificial turf stadiums. You're basically in the infield playing on concrete constantly. Uh, so a lot of players are banged up from this era. And you've got a Mets team that, I mean, it's a hard team to root for, honestly. Now, that's coming from a Yankees fan who <laughs> thinks that all Mets teams are a little hard to root for. But, I mean, this team especially, I mean, unless you're a sort of a die-hard Mets fan, like, these were guys that were basically rapping about winning the World Series at the beginning of the season, I think. Um, right. Kind of akin to the Chicago Bears with the Super Bowl shuffle. It's like... I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Bad Lieutenant with Harvey Keitel, but the backdrop to that movie is the 1986 playoff run. Uh, Harvey Keitel is a, a dirty cop. And, right. of course, the Mets were a lot like that, too. Just yeah, like yeah. partiers, drug use, very 80s New York. Absolutely, yeah. And so you have a series where, I don't know, it kind of it kind of feels like going into it that, yeah, Boston has this strong sort of – they have the strength in pitching, um, undoubtedly, with Clemens sort of leading the staff there. But Gooden, Strawberry, Hernandez, Carter, yeah. like these guys feel like they have this kind of swagger to them that they know that they're going to succeed. And And this series is really set up in a way, as most classic kind of sports scenarios go – for them to get a little bit of a comeuppance here from the Red Sox. I don't, I don't quite know what to say, but it's like there's a broken heartedness to the way that the ball just five holes. Bill Buckner here just goes right by the glove right. as it's kind of sliding closed as he's moving to his left. Definitely nine times out of 10, that's a play it's made. You know, you take a different looks at the angle of the ball though. It's the ball's moving fast. It's moving on turf. He has to rely on uh, Bob Stanley, the pitcher, to back him up at first. I mean, the, there are a lot of things do have to go right for that play to be in half. Can you believe this ball game at Shea? Oh, brother. Three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. If one picture is worth a thousand words, you have seen about a million words. But more than that, you have seen an absolutely bizarre finish to game six of the 1986 World Series. So how do you feel in the moment? I mean, this uh, is such a vivid memory for me. Um, as I said, I was in seventh grade, I believe. I grew up in central Connecticut. Connecticut as a state is divided diagonally, like northwest to southeast between New York and Boston. Uh, my family is on the Boston side, but where we're living, lots of folks were 
Mets fans. So there's like deep regional tensions that are always at play for Connecticut sports fans, regardless of the sport. Either a Boston person or a New York person for like everything. And just so many like just kind of psychic wounds right. <laughs> around this moment. Um, whenever this came up on a replay, if I was watching ESPN or something about the Red Sox, and they showed this as a replay, I would just change the channel or yeah. turn the TV off. I just, no one wanted to see it, right? And it had such deep wounds until 2004, really, of not just the one that got away, but like the one that sealed our fate and made us all losers, right? Yeah, because, I mean, I guess the the other side of the Buckner story is that this isn't the end. Like, the, the Mets don't win the World Series because of this. Right. Like, the whole media, other game. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. And the way the media created the Bill Buckner event. Yeah. There was a way in which the media, and we could say the New York based media, <laughs> <laughs> creates this narrative of Bill Buckner as, as the reason why the Red Sox don't win a World Series 1986. And there is a game seven. They could have won game six. There was one out away. They didn't. But there's a lot more that happens um, after that one event. Whenever I think about this moment, I just think it's it's so rare that events happen in sports that you can sum up just by saying a name. Right. Like you can just say Bill Buckner. And if I just say the name Bill Buckner, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it goes back to, to other games like the Bucky Dent home run mm-hmm. that knocks the uh, Red Sox out of contention. Was it in 78? Right. Or something like that. It goes right over the green monster. So there's this, you know, Mod, there had been a mantra in Boston, Bucky Dent, Bill Buckner, and then uh, our, our Aaron Boone, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like this unholy trinity of devastating moments for Red Sox fandom, right? And But Buckner was the linchpin to create that, that mantra in a way. Yeah, yeah. I, as a college basketball fan, it was always uh, uh, Christian Leitner was right. the shorthand that you could use. And and every Kentucky fan knew exactly what you were talking about. Every Duke fan, even every Carolina fan who hated Duke, knew what you were talking about when you said, oh, that was the Christian Leitner game. And it's just like, there are these, there are these moments sometimes that are just so iconic and so kind of written into sports memory that their ability to be, to, to evoke emotion just with the shorthand of someone's name Right. Uh, is incredible. And this is one of those moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so if we're thinking of the sacrament of reconciliation of a right. penitent <laughs> from our prayer book, uh, how does, how does Bill Buckner tie into this? Well, I mean, there, there's a whole narrative here that, I mean, on a surface reading, like Bill Buckner needs to be forgiven by the Red Sox fans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot, a lot of presuppositions like why does it why does one person need forgiveness for this event is what is bill buckner guilty of yes he commits an error but a lot happens in what's the seventh or eighth inning where clemens stops pitching and does john mcnamara pull him does clemens ask to sit there's a whole lot of controversy around that particular moment in the game a few innings prior but there's another way of looking at this about reconciliation that is reconciliation is about something that's broken that gets healed. And so I yeah. think it's not so much Bill Buckner needs to be forgiven, right? but or something broken in 
the Boston Red Sox fan base. In some ways, I'll just say as someone who grew up there in the regional psyche around that game, um, mm-hmm. a sense of loss, of inferiority. Um, that's really where the reconciliation needed to happen was how can we put something that was really tragic that maybe wasn't our fault and put that behind us, which I think a lot of dealing with sin and looking for reconciliation is trying to make sense of things that we had no control over. Yeah. ESPN, uh, I want to say, I don't remember what it was for. Maybe it was for a 30 for 30 had a documentary on Steve Bartman where it looked for all the world that the Cubs were about to go to the world series. And they didn't, they ended up getting beat uh, by the Marlins and they ended up at the end of the documentary, sort of tying Bartman's story to Buckner's story in the sense that, um, you know, Bartman after that game kind of went into hiding, right? He, he had to, he had to basically remove himself from public life because he had so many people who were so angry And, you know, you go back and you watch that game and it's like there's a foul ball that maybe if Moises Alou were an incredible athlete, which he is, but he would have to be an extraordinarily incredible athlete to actually make that catch in the stands. Yeah, a catch in the stands that's a good seven feet high, right? Yeah. A lot going on there. It's like it's so maybe that it's like. I mean, nine times out of 10, he is not going to make that catch, like easily not going to make that catch. Like it's, it's such a slim probability. And that's not even the moment that costs the Cubs the game. Right. But there's one person that all Cubs fans can put their blame on. And it's someone who looks a little odd, who's dressed a little odd, who they can kind of pick out of the crowd. And you know, and Buckner kind of gets this treatment a little bit too from sort of Boston fans. So all that is to say that, yeah, there's something there's something that can be broken in us as a fan base, especially when we put way high priority on wins and what it means to us personally. So like right. win these things uh, versus um, versus just sort of saying that's I. I guess that's how the ball bounces sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we have a real danger here of like over ascribing meaning to sports, right? Like Boston fans chose to make what happened to the Red Sox or, or the Patriots or the Celtics, the Bruins, something that was more than it was, that it became a way of talking about their own self-worth of their own meaning. And, and that's a real danger too. Um, and that is what least is really ugly scapegoating dynamics even worse for just a fan like steve bartman versus bill you know bill buckner though has to go and hiking too he moves his family to a compound in idaho just to get away from all of this now he also goes on memorabilia signing tours with mookie mookie uh mookie wilson right? i was gonna say mookie, mookie Betts, but yeah i was about to say mookie blaylock but he played for the seattle super <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Buckner's like, I'm done with you guys. I, I'm going to get as far away as I can um, from all this junk. I remember, I think it was when the Red Sox won the World Series, that there was kind of this 
Okay, so we can forgive Buckner now. Right. Um, narrative. Do you remember that coming out of that? Yeah, this kind of fits for me with kind of our sense of what's changed going forward, right? Like, yeah. I think we, the Buckner narrative doesn't end until the Red Sox actually win a World Series. So I think that that's an important thing to realize about uh, the Red Sox fan base. Like, they were not going to let go of this until the World Series was over. And yeah, so- and and I guess that's what I'm thinking of when it comes to the sacrament, is this ability to actually recognize something that's broken inside of us to call it out yeah, and to be reconciled to it so that we can live a life of freedom (laughs) kind of moving forward and how infrequently we actually do that as a community. Yeah. So as parishes, we tend to hold on to negative things because, because they become identifiers for who we are instead of kind of claiming the sin of them and then moving forward. Yeah. So when the Red Sox win the World Series in 2004, there's a lot of Buckner's off the hook, forgiving Bill Buckner narrative uh, in the fan base. And when Ring Day happens in 2005, opening day at Fenway Park, Bill Buckner is the one who throws out the first pitch. Right. Um, and he, uh, Dwight Evans, I think, uh, one of his teammates, catches it. Dwight Evans was on the A6 Red Sox. And so th- that creates a new narrative for Boston. And Bill Buckner is like visibly wiping away tears as he's mm-hmm. walking from the green monster where he came out to the pitching mound. Right. And it was, and the, the announcers are saying, or thanking Bill Buckner for everything he's done. Right. That's a really important moment. I hope it was an important moment for Bill Buckner. He's, he's dead now. Um, died a few years ago and mm-hmm. just, by hope, the sense wasn't that he was forgiven of a sin that he had committed. By hope, he got the sense of, I can reconnect to this place that was really, these people who are really important to me. Uh, that's so huge. Like, errors are going to happen in baseball. Like, there's <laughs> there's not a baseball player that's not going to commit an error at some point in their career. It's just sad to think that Bill Buckner could have lived an entire life and died without that moment happening in 2005, you know? And the fact that he was saved of that is a gift, but it's also, it's something to really pay attention to in ourselves that we could get to a point where we could hold someone that accountable for an error, you know? And, and, And back to the life in church, right? Like how there's so many, broken places in our own lives and the lives of our communities that we need to find forgiveness around. Every church has the narrative of the bad rector. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> yes. like you got to deal with that. You get, before that rector dies, <laughs> you need yes. to deal with that in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, every diocese has the narrative of the bad bishop. Um, every community has these kinds of narratives embedded in it. How we break those without, requiring some dramatic intervening event, I think is a really important thing to pay attention to. Absolutely. Absolutely. The only way forward is to heal. hundred percent. Speaking of healing, Dan, that's it. That's it. I feel We're like a th- weight has been lifted. Thank you for letting <laughs> me process all that. <laughs> We're three outs away from the save. Next up. We'll be talking about anointing through the lens of D. Gordon's emotional home run in memory of Jose Fernandez. Dan, 
Are you ready to wrap things up down here in Miami? Let's bring it home and go to eat in the clubhouse with the spread afterwards. Nice. I love it. We'll see you next time.